Grain to Glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, before we get too deep here, I want to give a shout out uh, to our, to our, well, you know, ad things. Uh, the American, <laughs> I don't know where, I like, I, I started going to a patron read because that's what I do first on DOO and uh, I know. Uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers. Now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms. So we'll give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link above our homepage and join today. Also, I want to give a shout out to our patrons, specifically our black belt patron, Andy Thompson. If you'd like to be as awesome as Andy and the rest of our patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Uh, you can also click on the patron link at the bottom of our homepage. Um, doing that, you get access to uh, live streams that we don't do on Twitch, uh, like Homebrew Bound, uh, and we are reviving... Uh, tabletop theater so if you like dungeons and dragons stuff like you can get access to some of that um also uh if you want to do if you're gonna do any amazon shopping head over to blindedstudios.com uh, click on the amazon link above our homepage then do your amazon shopping as normal and we get a bit of a kickback from amazon really helps us out brian my friend my colleague my co-host yes. for almost 80 some episodes now I believe next week is our 200th. I have to rerun the numbers. It's either 199 or 200 next week. Jeez. And we've already recorded that episode, so. Yes. <laughs> like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our damn fault. No, no, no. Um, but I blame, My- I blame Miles' baby. Uh, mm. <laughs> Babies. Right. Screwing everything uh, up. But what have you been up to the last week, man? Well, let's see. It's been pretty... Uh, pretty busy at the brewery with the uh, Oktoberfest. We had an Oktoberfest party. Oh, I saw some Lederhosen picks. Um, I, I saw Justin running around in Lederhosen. Yeah. I did not see you running around in a Lederhosen. No, I had a bunch of stuff to do all day and then didn't end up getting there until about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Okay. But you do own Lederhosen is what you're telling They're me? They're cheap costume Lederhosen. Oh, it's not okay. really like the real deal but no i never got a chance to don my um later hosen this year at all that's I'm a bummer too busy. I, don't, I don't own any later hosen i don't either i mean honestly i should probably own a kilt before i own a later hosen but i should i mean probably own both i guess it's easier to pee in a kilt yeah that's true very true actually yeah i don't know so uh just I, a lot of what i do at the brewery is Farting around with um, can labels and federal approval and stuff like that. So we've got a bunch of new beers that we're going to be releasing. And Ooh. yeah, we released um, Brew Like a Girl series. So our Was that the first one, the Saison? It was technically the second one. Yeah, because well, cause there was what the, th- uh, was it Third Wheel? Fifth, fifth wheel, wheel fifth yeah. wheel fifth wheel i know that one was fifth was wheel of, was like a double ipa yeah that and that, that was katie's brainchild right yeah and then and then she started the brew girl, brew yep. like a girl then series. we decided okay. to just put it into a series and so this number two in the series we got the labels and cans and canned it and all that that's um, awesome and it is a uh, dark saison I have not had it yet. I need to stop in. Um, it's a little more bitter than I'd like. 
So I think if we redid it, it'd probably pull back. The pull back on the bitterness. How's the how's the uh, saison character? Awesome. Okay. Classic, typical. Uh, you know. Clove forward, little banana bubblegum uh, at the very end. We need to get Katie down here one of these days. <laughs> Good luck, man. Uh, she she's, is busy. She's a busy gal, also lives in Minneapolis. Yeah. So, you know, but, usually you know, when we record she, br- this, she She brews two places in Wisconsin. I feel like she's living in the wrong city. Yeah, probably. <laughs> in any case, uh, she... Where was I going with that? Yeah, she's uh, working on the third recipe. We're working on that with uh, Witch Hunt, which is a, a group that um, helps uh, folks who are in the L, uh, LG, LGBTQ thank you, community and uh, females in brewing. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, breweries in the country, and I think there's only about 300 female brewers or something along those lines. And so, yeah, there's like there's there's a few organizations uh, around right now that are kind of popping up, and yeah. it'd be kind of fun to talk to some of them. I think mm-hmm. about um, how they're trying to make brewing not just white men with beards, mm-hmm. which is cool. I don't have a lot to say about that because I'm a white man with a beard. Yeah, ditto, my my <laughs> friend. Ditto. <laughs> so we need we need people who could talk with a little bit more authority on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. so you got you got that one go. Uh, so you have that one. You have the next one coming up. Any uh, any new any new things that you're excited to be brewing? Uh, Justin's pushing and shoving to get a black IPA brewed. Um, you can just push him back down. Yeah, I've tried and tried. I don't. I don't. You know, it's fine as long as you don't call it a Cascadian dog. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna do that. So. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the proof will be in the pudding. If you know, if it sells or if it sits, yeah. uh, but I think it's gonna sit. So anything. So, yeah. Um, so after Oktoberfest, not really anything for like the Christmas season, right? There's not. Uh, the Russian Imperial Stout, ridiculous idiots, will come out, and okay. then more towards February, the barrel aged versions of that will come. out. Are you out. guys doing another episode for uh, for episode nine? We're not even on episode four yet. <laughs> we just haven't gotten around to episode four. It's a the episode series we're on. We did what was it? episode three was like that Belgian golden strong that went all banana because yeah yeah um yeah uh, well know, not uh, much yeah, man. Okay. I, I, I uh, let's, let's see um I'm trying to think what I have done beer well so uh I have so I haven't done like a lot I've been doing a lot of beer cooking. Uh, so th- yeah, right. So uh, this oatmeal stout I put into a beef stew that turned out just amazing. Nice. I uh, put it in a Dutch oven, set it over the fire for like six hours. Yeah, we're, what are we drinking? Go. We're drinking Oki's Oatmeal Stout from uh, Angry, Angry Minnow out of Hayward, Wisconsin. Yep. Yeah, we talked about them a little bit last week. This is some of the beer that was left over from, from the trip uh, annually uh, going up to... Uh, Madeline Island, which is one of the Apostle Islands on Lake Superior. Uh, uh, we always stop at Angry Minnow for lunch on the way up uh, and then stop at Tom's Burn Down Cafe as soon as we get across. Uh, and then I pick up a breakfast growler at the Minnow <laughs> for the next morning. <laughs> right. And I the the rule is I have to have the growler finished by 9 a.m. Oofta. Yeah, I failed this year. It was 9.30. Oh, you, I know. you bastard. I know. I didn't. I woke <clears throat> up late. Um, other than that, uh, well, uh, you guys are listening to this. My The beer I served at, or the wedding beer has already been served. 
I have not kegged it yet because they were recording this back to back. So I'm doing that next. Uh, brewing wise, I will have two empty fermenters. And so I got to figure out I should probably just continue or rebrewing the beers I'm supposed to rebrew. But I kind of want to do something different. So I'm, I'm working on that. So if you guys have any any ideas for things that you want to see me brew, send them in. Because I would love to hear those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have carving up. Uh, we will probably taste that next week's episode or the week after. Uh, we have the uh, the fresh hop or the wet hop uh, pale ale. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's so that right. is carved up and ready to go. So I just got to get that cold. Um, I got to I got to figure out some way of getting Big Oaf off the taps. <laughs> <laughs> How much is left? Uh, more than a little, less than a lot. Well, tell Gordon to come over here and yeah. Drink, drink well, he he pulled three growlers the other day, and so even when he's over here, he'll only have like two pints. Well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, he has to drive back to Spooner. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it's... The problem is it's too big. It, it'll be better once it gets cold. Like, we're we're sitting on some hot weather right now. It's unseasonably... Well, no, it's seasonably warm in Wisconsin oh, right yeah. now. It's, it's fluctuating between 60 degrees and 90 degrees. Yeah, real awesome. I tried explaining that to the, the cats I was brewing out with in Guatemala... <laughs> where it's the same fucking temperature every, every day, day. <laughs> every day ah oh, that reminds me i have a bunch of really cool um south american or uh keto brewery stuff to show you oh keto ecuador eh? yeah keto ecuador so i will do that after the show and yeah, we can dude, talk about that next week speaking of the weather shit we drove to duluth uh and it was like 15 20 degrees cooler in duluth when we drove. It's that lake effect. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Anywho, what are we uh, talking about should today? Should we talk about what we're talking about today? That's right. Uh, we're talking about fermentation. Again? All right. So, uh, so we're continuing our yeast discussion. Yes. Um, and now we're diving into uh, like fermentation itself. So we've talked about a lot of the building blocks to get us to this point. And now we're talking about like the nitty gritty, like what the yeast is actually doing. Today we're going to focus, uh, this is going to be like a sick five or six part series, depending on how we kind of break this up. There's a lot of information in the, apparently in fermentation. Who to thunk it? Uh, so today we're going to be diving into the timeline. Uh, like, so we're, we're going to be talking about three distinct phases of fermentation, the leg phase, the exponential growth phase, and like the stationary phase. Mm-hmm. You can break that up in different ways, but there's a lots of overlap between the stages. I was going to say is. there's the, what from what I'm reading through here with notes and in the book, I think we're going to run over some stuff we've already covered. Yeah. But that well, we are. But this is like we, we need, we need this foundation. <laughs> Plus, like, right. Yeah. To, to kind of move forward for the next few weeks. Um, I did like this quote that I that I pulled out of here. Uh, was it brewers make wort, yeast makes beer and fermentation is where that happens. Yep. Um, so, Brian, I've been talking for a while. Would you like to start us off on the lag phase? Yes. Well, thank you. So, like Casey said, there are three distinct phases, lag phases, uh, between zero and zero to 15 hours. Um, exponential growth phase for one to four days and stationary for three to 10. So we'll get to those, um, there are a lot. There is lots of overlap between the stages, depending on where the colony 
uh, what the size is um, and all of that. Um, but when you pitch it, it starts to acclimate to the environment. Um, the cells begin to uptake the oxygen that you've pumped into the beer. Um, also, the the minerals, and we've talked about like the yeast nutrient. Um, we haven't really gotten to wort composition yet, right? So, you'll you know if you do a little home brewing, and you know what I'm talking about, you put in some you know yeast is a eukaryotic single cell eukaryotic organism organism, and it needs all of its essential vitamins and minerals just like humans do, um, and then amino acids or nitrogen as well uh, from the wort. So we'll get to that. Uh, those help to build the proteins from the amino acids. So amino acids are essentially just the pr- building pro- blocks. proteins waiting to happen, right? Yep. Um, and obviously all malt wort is the best source of nitrogen, minerals, vitamins, blah, blah. Um, one, na- one exception to that would be zinc. Um, there's not a ton of, like, depending on what your water composition is yep. and what malts you're using, zinc is lacking. But yeah, the the yeast absolutely need their zinc. Yeah. Um, so that's where you know your your yeast nutrient comes into play. Um, one little pro tip: uh, if you're doing two batches, uh, one right after the other, uh, in your boil kettle, maybe skip doing a yeast nutrient addition on the second brew. Uh, oh, if you leave like the dregs in there. Yeah, you kind of run into like an excess of free amino nitrate. Um, so some of the some of the necessary vitamins and minerals are riboflavin, uh, inositol, biotin. Um, important minerals are phosphorus, sulfur, copper, iron, zinc, potassium, and sodium. Uh, we use a lot of salt type of you know we we just refer to all the different stuff as salts when we throw it into the beer. Um, the yeast will take all of this up into the cell, uh, and and. Uh, they start to manufacture the enzymes for the the growth, and we said before that enzymes you could just, they're just nature's catalyst. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, and like you said, uh, the one nutrient that yeast need that isn't present in wort uh, is oxygen. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, and that's because we boil the shit out of it. Like mm-hmm. a good rolling boil. Like by definition, will force all the oxygen out of that liquid. Like right. it's it's just going to, um, and then you need to add the oxygen back in, which uh, you can do a few different ways at the humber level. Um, you can just dump vigorously, and that'll get some in there. Yep, and that'll get you in. Like that's what I tell people when they're first, when they first like their first batch, just dump it from the boil kettle, like as high as you're comfortable dumping it. Dump it from the kettle into your fermenter. And then you'll be fine. Um, you can do the shaking method. That's fun. Hmm. Or you can use a little O2 stone with oxygen. That works. Uh, but one thing to remember is that after this, we don't want to add oxygen to the beer at all. Uh, unless. Caveat. Asterix. Unless <laughs> you're brewing a big beer. So in big beers, there is a window between 12 and 18 hours after pitching. That can make a huge difference uh, when you're attenuating the beer, actually, to the, that higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, it gives that little like extra boost. It's like a double jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, like a, a little bit of a common technique, if you're if you have a little bit of an undersized pitch, uh, is to actually uh, ferment a little bit warmer, because uh, that warm will make the yeast a lot more active. Uh, but if you're going to pitch the yeast warm, be prepared to warm the beer back up to the same temperature or higher near the end of fermentation. So and it can munch up those. Yeah, the rest yeah. of what it needs to. Um, yeah, I would recommend just not under pitching if you can help it. 
Like, right. It's so it's so easy to not under pitch. Mm-hmm. Like it like if you're doing smack packs, do two, and then you're fine for the most part. Like right. Um. Yeah. So we'll, again, we'll we'll dive deeper into aeration mm-hmm. and pitch rates yep. um, in a future episode here. The only other thing I can think of for um, this uh, lag phase is that over pitching can decrease the lag phase, but uh, each individual cell will not be as healthy at the end of fermentation. Yes. So um, I would like to uh, touch on one other thing here. Um, other than like, so th- this is where like your flavor precursors are created mm-hmm. in this phase. Um, not really any flavors themselves, which is why you can ferment this a little higher, yep. but then you just have to bring it back up because it'll... The, right, the precursors are there, but the flavors yep. don't start showing. Um, and then new brewers, you ain't going to see nothing. Like yeah. this, this is the boring. Like yeah. you aren't gonna see any airlock activity. You're not like if you have if you're using a carboy, you're not gonna see much happening in the beer itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be worried. Like uh, lurking on like Reddit and like other forums, one of the most common, one of the most common things I see is a new brewer being like, "I just brewed this beer," um, like you know. A few hours ago, and I'm not seeing any airlock activity. Is it fine? Yes. Let it go. In <laughs> fact, you might not see any airlock t- activity your entire fermentation. I've had it. I've had beers like that, um, especially if you're using a plastic bucket. They're not exactly the most airtight things in the world. And so, like the uh, the CO two can escape out, like so. Don't, true. Yeah, airlock activity is not a good indicator of fermentation. Or oh, man, I'd always err on the side of a, <clears throat> a blow off tube and then well, yeah, jam yeah. that airlock in there later. But anyway, moving on, what do we got? Exponential exponential growth. growth. So this is where the yeast start to chow down on the sugars, and they this is where they're really producing like the C the CO two ethanol and the flavor compounds. Mm-hmm. They're just going to town. This is where the sugar solution becomes lighter. And this is how we sort of figure out how much um, alcohol is in the beer, is by how much CO2 uh, flies out of the airlock. Um, yep. But yeah, so this is the beginning here the of the exponential uh, phase of the yeast growth. Yep. Yeah, so the cell count, um, the yeast cell count is going to increase um, log- logarithmically or just rapidly. Uh, <laughs> that's cool too, man. Um, and... Uh, like we're gonna we're gonna start to form that chrysin mm-hmm. uh, across the beer, which is like that that weird foamy bit that always worries new people too. Like, oh, is this is this infected? No, it's just the yeast doing what it's doing, and it looks gross. Yeah, the highest concentration actually of cells is up in that foam. Yeah, those those are the true party. Uh, yeah. the true party cells. Yeah, and you can chrysin a beer. You can skim that and. And start pitching. Start pitching it somewhere else. All right. Um. So in this stage, they're going to consume sugar in the following order. Uh, we've kind of touched on this, but it's always good to go over it. Glucose, then fructose, then sucrose. Then they're going to take that maltose and use maltase to convert the maltose to glucose. Mm-hmm. And then finally, some of them are going to go after that maltotriose. 
Some. It depends. But once you start getting to like the Maltos, Malto Trios, that's those longer. Those longer. Those are the longer chains that it's harder for them to break down. So they're not going to break down nearly as many. Right. Or at this point, they've gone. Or they're so, full. Right. They've gone so nuts on the simple sugars that they aren't into, you know, they're lazy and they aren't into it. Um, so, yeah. And, and that's, you know, lactose. We talk about lactose a lot. Uh, unfermentable. Yes, yes. Too, um, too long, too big of a chain, uh, can't get snipped up. Or if it does get snipped up, it doesn't get eaten because they just don't snip them hard they're enough. They're tired. So. Right. Um, yeah, and then we'll also hit high Kreuzen in here. And we I don't think we've talked about Kreuzen at all. I think this is the first time that term has come up uh, in, in this yeast series, right? Right. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so like we've talked, Kreuzen is, is the foam. Um, it's like the height of yeast activity. Basically, the, the yeast is bubbling up and uh, hitching rides on all of these, like, proteins and stuff and creating this foam. Um, and so I, I learned this today. I did not – I had no idea. The foam turns yellow to brown uh, from the participated malt and hop comp- components. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's what – I thought it was just, that's just what yeast did. And I was like, yeah, we're, we're brown. Like No. Um, and then, like, you'll get little uh, dark brown spots from, like, yep. oxidized hop resins. Yep. Those little, it, it looks, it looks crappy. It looks. It looks gnarly. It's, it's funny. Oh, this is like a, this is a far out. But if you're ever at a river and you see, like, swirling and there's foam, mm-hmm. like, it kind of looks like it that. It kind of looks a lot like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then we enter the stationary phase, which is the final phase of fermentation. Uh, you take it off, man. Oh, geez. All right. If you want to. Oh, Otherwise, I, do. I, get it. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, stationary phase is uh, three to three days to 10 days or, or more. more. Um, the like, our, our growth starts to slow. Uh, we want to check this frequently with new strains or new pitches. Uh, we call it green beer at this point. It's no longer wort. Um, and it, it's, it, the beer matures, it's actually beer now, right? Yep. Uh, beer matures in the stationary phase. And we can also kind of refer this as to the conditioning phase. Uh, and this is when they start reabsorbing things like diacetyl, uh, acetaldehyde, uh, that are, uh, produced when the beer is fermenting. Um, and this is a really important key, uh, phase because when when yeast they push things out of the cell in order to do things in the cell and then they pull this stuff back in at that point so you know this is where we'd start um, uh, to check the degree of attenuation here um, and uh, so after they're reabsorbing they uh, the things they produce during fermentation um, hydrogen sulfide continues to escape from the top of the fermenter as gas or up the blow off too. Yeah, so it continues same, to off gas. Same thing. Like, and you're going to get a lot more sulfur content when you're working with a lager than with an ale. But you're going to have like that, uh, like brew like a girl that that saison was. Holy shit, was that sulfury? Oh yeah, for a long time. Yeah, and they kept bringing me samples, and I kept shaking my head. Nope, too sulfury, too sulfury. Yeah, and you can actually like you can blow on the and sample then it'll, and then it'll taste it, good, and it'll go away. But you know, you've got to kind of be careful. But yeah, that. well, you can't serve that. So you can't be like, okay, you can drink this beer, but first you have to blow on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this. Two key things here in this phase is what we want to do is uh, like a diacetyl wrestled. We'd want to like ease up and let the temperature rise. Yeah. So if, if you started your, your high temp 
um, during the leg phase. Mm-hmm. You want to bring it back up during this phase. Yep. And then quickly after that, uh, at this point, um, you know, we'd bring the fermenter uh, gradually down to 35 or 40, uh, which forces it to, you know, the yeast to flock and settle. Um, and we do this to uh, pr- like make beer flip as quickly, quickly as we can. Um homebrew level like if you have yeah. time you can, if like all this will happen pretty naturally it might not be as crystal clear but the yeast will naturally flock out yeah you really 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 don't want to stop fermentation like yep trust me on so this. yeah so we we've been giving like these these days or hours yeah. for these phases yeast is on its own goddamn schedule yeah you, you need you need to check it you need to like just let it do its thing Mm-hmm. These need to have the opportunity to clean up after themselves. Like, I don't care if you're like, oh, this is the gravity I want the beer at. Too bad. Wait till it's done. Take readings, you know, three to four days when they're exactly the same. Then then it's time to crash it. Yep. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if we can, like, I feel like that's a good, like introduction to fermentation trying to think if there's anything um oh stationary phase is also where you'll be able to tell if you're stalling out and if you need to and if you need to add a new pitch of yeast we've talked about a particular uh saison dupont strain that i've never had it not stall out 3724 y yeast in particular i don't not to pick on y yeast but the original saison dupont strain like that'll stick every time for me um and so this like you're going to want to check that. And especially if you're like just a few days into the stationary phase and you've already hit terminal and it's way higher than you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not changing in like th- or three days in a row, pitch something new. Yeah. Like, and, and if you, if you are in the habit of making the same beer over and over, uh, you, you're, you're, you're not going to sit there and like, what is this? Wait, wait seven days and then transfer bullshit. Like, no, um, you, every single time you're going to get a, your, your mash. I mean, as, as much as we strive to have consistency in our brews, it's a lot tougher as a home brewer. And, you know, you're going to have a little bit higher gravity, a little bit lower gravity. You're going to have you're going to have variation, variation. And so if you are in the habit of making the same beer over and over it, yeah, it's going to be slightly different, especially on home brewing stuff. So if you sit there and you say, OK, well, I know that this this beer is done it at, at, you know, 10 12 well this one this particular batch might not be done till like 10, well, well 11, especially 10, if 10. like if you don't have temp control and stuff like that like you might get you might get like a hot streak and like your temp goes up 10 degrees in your house yeah there's there are a couple breweries that come to mind that i know for sure don't pay attention and stop fermentation when they think that it's done which is stupid and wrong and I had there's one that didn't take any gravity readings and went by the days and then they ended up like how many days this beer takes nine days. Blah. Well, they put their beer out on the market. They had exploding cans because they had a refermentation happen because mm-hmm. they were on a on a warm shelf. And when the craft beer market is so clogged, you're not assured a warm shelf in at any point in time. I don't care if you put keep cool on your cans. Yeah. you Yeah. Cold shelf. The kid who's restocking the shelves doesn't, he doesn't give, give a shit. shit. So. How the liquor store owner probably doesn't give a shit. Well, they only have so much space, and Anheuser-Busch is paying for most of it. That's damn right. So don't stop your fermentation. Yep. Yeah, if you take nothing away from this conversation, take that. <laughs> give beer time. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, listener mail? Yeah. Yeah, I another, do love listener mail. Uh, ooh, ooh, hang on. Do you want to do Gordon first or Bjorn first? 
It was just like last week. We got one from each. So Bjorn, actually, let's do Bjorn's oh, why? first. Why? We get Gordon again. What's good? What is Gordon? Doesn't he have a job? Does he work? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, let's, let's do Bjorn first because his is more of a, a comment that I wanted to comment on. And I feel like you have something that you might want to say. I can't on even this read too. this one. Um, so, well, so the last six, nine months, I've been struggling uh, with too high final gravity on my beers based on uh, what the calculated estimated FG should be, regardless of the beers. Uh, regardless, the beers have been tasting just fine, but this high FG was frust- uh, frustrating. Uh, FG is final gravity. Uh, frustrating because I couldn't figure out why. Uh, when I when I brewed, I hit all the numbers. The pH, pre-oil, pre-boil volumes, and OG were all spot on, but the FG was always 5 to 10 points high. Uh, I buy hydrometers 10 at a time. That's smart. Not a bad plan. <laughs> if smart. you haven't broken a hydrometer, you haven't been brewing long You enough. ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I tend to break one every four to five. Yep, sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> I had quite a few to double check the OG and FG, and of course I calibrate every new one in water. Uh, distilled water, I hope. Uh, and I have a refractometer that showed the same result as the hydrometers, but he never uses it on fermented wort uh, because you, like, can't. It's hot, you can't. Um, so cut to the trace. He got so frustrated, he went and bought a guaranteed certified FG uh, hydrometer from Ala France. Mm-hmm. The price was the same. He pays for er, for one as he pays for ten. Uh, boy, do you know the FG was suddenly in line with what one would expect, plus plus or minus two points from the. Calculator. Oh, he put like a little tongue out emoji. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, there's an emoji in here. Oh, yeah. Um, as it turns out, the 10 hydrometers uh, he bought the same shop, not at the same time, must be the from the same producer, and were from the same lot, and they were off uh, when there was alcohol in the wart. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so he's basically saying that... He, he ran into a lot of bad hydrometers. Well, have you ever, like, looked at a hydrometer? Yes. It's a, like a piece of paper stuffed in a glass tube. Yep. It's- no, and so, like, I, well, and, like, we, I, he also talked about hydrometer, or the refractometers in here. Yeah. So, like, I, I kind of wanted to touch on some of these tools that we use as homebrewers. Mm-hmm. They ain't gospel. Man, we could do a whole episode on that, that kind of thing. We but, could. But, but yeah, like, no, they are not definitely not gospel. And another thing, Bjorn, that might be... Uh, a piece to think about here is not every batch of grain is created equally. Okay. So you, you're the efficiency that you're getting out of, I'm sorry, I'm taking this in a weird direction away from hydrometers, but no, that's fine. You, you, the, the, um, the grain efficiency, there's a reason why every time we get a new batch of malt, I request what's called a COA sheet and it tells you all the specs of the malt. So you might be running into that from time to time. That might be like, another x factor that's kind of i suppose yeah because like your 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 og could be the same but if there's different minerals and like and there's different yeah like how it depends on how the maltster yeah how the maltster treated the malt and like if you're buying base malt from even from the same source it's going to be a little bit different i mean yeah just that's just like um yeah and but yeah so these hydrometers like they're not perfect um Mm -hmm. calculating the specific so we use specific gravity um, and specific gravity works great when we're just talking sugar and water. Um, mm. alcohol is a sugar, but it also behaves differently in, uh, in solution than just like pure sugar does, pure like glucose does. Um, and that's why, so like if you have a refractometer, refractometers are amazing for pre-boil yep. or uh, pre-fermentation. 
but you also need to calibrate the shit out of those all yeah. the time because they that's like why you, they come with a tiny screwdriver. Yeah, you, you, you set them down wrong, and they'll get off. Right. Like, and I didn't believe it until Fredrickson yelled at me, and <laughs> <laughs> and then I tested it, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, he's right. I like uh, that man. Uh, he'll he's, call your ass out. That's yes, good. he will. Yes, he will. <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot from him. Uh, uh, and then. Yeah, no, and, like, so they're a good guideline to, like, if you're using the same brand is usually fine. Uh, it's weird that he would, like, he was, like, 5'10", and then you got, like, this, the, like, and, I mean, let's let's be honest. We're paying, what, 10, 12 bucks a hydrometer? Yeah. It's not the most, because we break them all the goddamn time. We can't afford any <laughs> Yeah, no, like I said, it is a piece of paper stuffed in a glass tube yep. that was made. With some fishing weights at the bottom. Right. So, it, you know, and then, I don't know. We have all kinds of, you know, professional equipment at the brewery, but it's it's expensive, man. Yeah, it is. Like, at, at the home it doesn't, like, it's not worth it. You know, just make some drinkable beer, you know. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, no, it's just, I, I, I thought this was a really good, like, anecdote to share because... I I don't know we we put a lot of we put a lot of stuff into our hydrometers and I I'm sure there's people out there who get them don't even worry about calibration and just start using it mm-hmm. um, and like same thing with your thermometers like calibrate your thermometer know how many like know know where like if it's reading high or low dude you know and honestly we've got we've got a one of those laser thermometers. The kettle has a thermometer. Each of the vessels have a thermometer. And they all read something different. Yes. That goes to a readout on the panel, which those those are easy to calibrate. So you've got the little control box. You can read the temp. And then we've got, you know, a glass one. And then, you know, there's that's three different ones. And then the fourth one is taped to a, you know, a white broom handle. And it's one of those where you plug it into the box and you can stick it in your oven. Oh, okay. And still have it yeah. shut. So we have one of those too, in case we want to jam it down deeper into the, mash into, into the mash tun. So yeah, there's, I mean, you know, you, a healthy, a healthy dose of paranoia will help you, will go a long way in brewing. It's not paranoia if they're out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. All Big right. thermometer's coming for yeah. you. <laughs> oh man. Budweiser thermometer. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, and then All right, Gordon. Now what does Gordon want? All right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so when tasting malt via chewing grain or steeping into tea, um, what are some of the tasting notes to look for? Say like a pale base malt or like a crystal or caramel malt. So this he, he was basing this off of our our steeping episode and. I like I, I talked I talked with Gordon like one on one about this a little bit. Um, and I thought it would be useful to like, maybe other people had questions about the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're not tasting for anything. Right. You, um, is, is kind of what it boils down to. You are tasting the malt to taste the malt to see what you get. You're not. Right. The problem here is that everybody tastes differently. Yeah. That's why you get a lot of people, you know, rating beers on this, these online, online apps and they say, oh, this beer is terrible. And it's like, no, you just don't like it. There's a difference between yep. a poorly made beer and a beer you well, don't and like. We're, but we're not even talking about that here. Right. We're talking about like, so we, we both take, like, 
let's let's look at this oatmeal well, stuff. Well, no, right, right here's here's oh, yeah, where I was go, going go with this was that where I was going with this is that you need to tell you tell me what you're tasting. I don't know. Yep. There are some common language. There are some common words, some common language we can use, you know, toasty, Maillard reaction. But like, you know, if you just walked up to someone on the street and you're like, could you describe to me what the Maillard reaction tastes like? Well, I mean, it's, you're going to get a different answer. Every time. Yeah. Like a toasted bread. Is it is it like really to- like how toasted is it? Like, what does it look like? So it, if we have a little bit of common language here, which, you know, you can kind of get from that malt book. Um, or other places that, you know, tell you about malt descriptors, you know, use that as a basis. But, you know, this is that like question authority, but make your own decisions kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, okay, fine. Look at the language. But like, what does it mean to you? Like, what do you taste? Yes. Uh, so. And that's why like it's so what I would recommend is some people chew on the grain. and They can get good flavor out of that. I've never been able to do that. Chewing on the grain for me, like I get so focused on. Well, I just chewing on grain now, and I got stuff stuck in my teeth, and right. I don't like it's so far. It's so hard for me to like pull the flavor out. Like, I mean, you can cheek it a little bit and kind of do get that. Yeah. Um, I would steep. Yep, steeping. Like what we did is make just a simple mini mash, like with just a handful of the grain in like a cup, and like buy buy some cheesecloth. Cheesecloth is cheap. Wrap that grain in the cheesecloth, dip it in there, make like a little tea out of it, and then taste it. And you're going to get that raw flavor of the grain. You're going to decide if you like it or what flavors you're getting out of it better than you. And it might not be perfect because once it's blended with other things, it's going to pull out different things, um, like different flavors. But it's like it's like building a recipe, like taste it like you would herbs, you know? Herbs, herbs, herb mom. Yeah, so I like I can't tell you what to taste for. Yeah, um, I mean, you can like taste for staleness. I mean, that's that's, that's something that's <laughs> yeah. that's like that. that that's I mean, relevant. That, well, that's I mean that's that's pretty like that's that's one thing. Like you can tell pretty much immediately if the grain that you're tasting is stale. Um, like I, I I'm trying to think of the right flavor descriptor. I don't know if there stale. is. It's just stale, yeah. Um, like I, I get that's that's really the only time I like chew on grain. It's like just like a quick little like, okay, this is stale. This isn't. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny when I was kind of starting in the whole craft beer or brewing or well, I mean those are two separate things for me. Brewing came before craft beer was really a big deal, but. Uh, you know, I had my, I had my own words in my head and I would say them to people and they would laugh at me. And I'm like, why are you laughing at me? That's what it tastes like to me, you know? And then I got a little bit more common language and figured out, okay, well then these are the words in my head. This means this. Yeah. So, but what I also like is, I don't know if somebody came to me and says, this tastes like peeps. I can figure out what peeps taste like. Mm -hmm. Like, um, don't, like when in doubt, go towards a common food that it tastes like. Yeah, and then you'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nope. All righty. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for uh, sending in your us your questions. Uh, and if you'd like 
to send in your own questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindersstudios, or follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>